Welcome back to another episode of the Box Score, and we have a special episode for everyone today. In honor of another decade that has come and gone, we are going to do an all-decade show, taking a look at the top athletes and some of our favorite moments from the last 10 years. There is so much content we could cover, so we will jump right into it. First though, more things to talk about in the NHL, and again, surrounding the Flames. Yep, but as of this morning, January 18th, the Calgary Flames sit first in a logjam Pacific Division. I can't break on it too much because it changes daily. In fact, the Oilers sit in fifth and then only two points back. But it does feel good to be first. Since November 28th, or when Bill Peters handed in his resignation, the Flames have gone 15, 6, and 1. So they have really turned things around, but enough of that. On to what everyone is talking about. You must be talking about Milan Lucic's hair. Oh yeah, he's blonde now. But no, not that. I think we can effectively say the Battle of Alberta is back. Thank you, Matthew Kachuk and Zach Cassian. Neil, I showed you the incident earlier, and I don't know how about you, but I was screaming and yelling and just was truly excited and joyous on both hits. Yes, after the second big hit, Cassian took exception of the hit by pounding Kachuk. But in the end, it was a fairly clean hit. Kachuk went unpenalized and Cassian got 4 minutes and 10, plus 2 game suspension. The Flames went on to score on the ensuing power play and win the game. Couple of quick thoughts after the dust was settled. Was it a clean hit? Mostly. You could say Kachuk took a rather long, direct route to get there, but he did not lean with the elbow and did not make contact with the head, so in my mind, it's clean. Does Kachuk need to fight a bit more? Yes. As much as I love the fact he annoys so many players, and for the longest time I have wanted a player like this on the Flames, I think if he fought a bit more, that would be great. So just like every one of our episodes, the talk of the league involves the Flames, but the Flames play the Oilers on January 29th, and there has been numbers taken, and it seems like Cassian is not going to forget this incident anytime soon. Definitely not, and I don't really blame him. George Peros, head of department player safety of the league, explained that Kachuk's hit was legal. And here's what Cassian said after, about the incident and as a whole, and Peros' comments. I'll do it all over again. After speaking with Paris on the phone, he explained how the hit by Kachuk is not dirty. So that gave me some clarity in what you can do, and what you can't do now. Put that in my memory bank. Needless to say, the next Flames and Oilers game will be a highly watched game. I'll be watching for sure, but so will George Peros. So nothing may come of it, but I also would not be surprised to see Kachuk drop the mitts and stand up to Cassian. Time will tell. Either way, thank you Chucky for bringing the battle back in Battle of Alberta. Low-key hoping for them to meet in the playoffs. But what am I talking about? I high-key hope for them to meet in the playoffs. I agree. To quickly touch on the rest of the league, I already mentioned the logjam in the Pacific Division. Meanwhile, in the Central, the Blues are leading the way. The Stars are trending upward there as well. Out East, the Bruins, Caps, and Penguins continue to lead the way. The Lightning are finally being their normal selves, but the Panthers are trending up, and the Islanders are keeping pace with the big boys up at the top of the league. Oh, and another prediction has come true. Taylor Hall was traded from New Jersey to the Coyotes, helping the Desert Dogs stay at the top of the division. It is time for Quick Fire. Let's start with, what is the defining moment of the decade for the NHL? For me, this is Alton Ovechkin raising Lord Stanley. Yes, Crosby won it back to back, but the Hawks won three in six years, but something about Ovi lived in the cup sent chills down my spine. Ovechkin is a playoff choker no more. 470 goals in the 2010s and near 800 games. Tops in the league and in six 
Add in six scoring titles, but also a 1.04 points per game in that span. Underrated playmaker? I think so. And the most underrated player of the decade? Blake Wheeler. This may be out of left field, but this guy has put up a lot of points this past decade. Yes, he does not have a cup or many trophies, but he is consistent. 654 points puts him in the top 10 scorers in the league since 2010. Ahead of the likes of Nick Backstrom, Jamie Benn, and Jonathan Tate, just to name a few. Neil, for you, defining moment of the decade for the NBA. For me, LeBron coming back from down 3-1 and beating the 73-9 Warriors in the 2016 Finals. LeBron finally fulfills his promise and brings the Cavaliers to the promised land on his second stint with them. The thing about the series is that most people would agree that this is what led to Kevin Durant leaving OKC for the Warriors. And I just don't think Durant would have teamed up with Curry, Thompson, and Green if the Warriors won that series. This is the reason why it's the most defining moment of the decade. And how about the most underrated player of the decade? In my opinion, it has to be Russell Westbrook. He gets labeled as a chucker and a stat patter that cares only about his own stats. And he also didn't win OKC a championship. But this guy won MVP. He's the first person to average a triple-double in a game since Oscar Robertson back in the 60s, and get this, he averaged triple-double for three straight seasons from 2017 to 2019. He also had the most assists in the 2010, so I don't know how people can say he's a ball hog. I just don't think Russell Westbrook gets the credit he deserves for how good he was. Celtics have been pretty up and down lately. They are 5-5 five five in the last 10 games and have barely won or lost to teams that are under 500. Almost losing to the league worst Atlanta Hawks and barely clawing out a win against Zach Levine and the Bulls. They also lost to the Detroit Pistons and San Antonio Spurs who are both under 500 teams. There is no excuse to struggle against subpar teams and I know that every team will have an off day every now and then but I'm going to go ahead and say that their hectic schedule lately has something to do with it. They have played 9 games in the last 14 days as of their last loss to the number 1 seed, Milwaukee Bucks. Wow, 9 games in 14 days, that is a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of games and for one, the players are probably exhausted playing back-to-backs, going on a plane, flying from city to city. It'll take a toll on the players. And with the lack of days off, they also have less team practices that allow them to regroup or make adjustments. Looking at the standings though, they're still sitting atop of the Atlantic Division and are currently the third seed in the Eastern Conference. Oh yeah, it's not all doom and gloom in Boston. And Jason Tatum finally crossed the 40 point mark for the first time in his career. He scored 41 points in a win against the Pelicans in just three quarters. Although he could be more consistent, he might just punch a ticket to the All-Star game this season. But what about the rest of the NBA? Any surprises so far? The Heat are the unexpected overachievers so far this season. They are currently the second seed in the Eastern Conference, and I don't think they were expected to be bad this season, but no one expected them to be this good. Jimmy Butler is still Jimmy Butler, and he is the veteran presence the young guys need on the team. Kendrick Nunn, an undrafted rookie, is proving that all teams that passed on him have made a big mistake. He's averaging almost 16 points per game. They also have other standout rookies in Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson who are both deadly shooters from the outside. Then let's not forget about Bam Adebayo who is trying to make a case for most improved player of the year. I have to say first, I love that name. Bam Adebayo. That's an awesome name. Anyways, it seems both first seeds are looking to leave the rest of the league behind. Yeah, the Lakers and the Bucks are just miles ahead of the competition in terms of the standings. Both have MVPs on their teams with LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Lakers also have Anthony Davis and a solid bench. The Bucks, on the other hand, have created what seems to be the perfect team for Giannis by surrounding him with shooters that will free up the lane. I don't see either team slowing down anytime soon and I fully expect both of them to finish at the number one spot.
Let's run through some of the top athletes, teams, and moments from other sports. Rapid fire, let's go. I would stick with local with my first player, Bull Levi Mitchell of our own Calgary Stampeders. If you want to preach consistency in a sport, this is your man. He has played his entire career this decade, two MOP awards, two great cups, plus the MVPs that go along with it, 60 wins in 72 games. Wow, and he's only 30. I will start with an obvious one, Tom Brady. Two decades ago he was drafted in the 6th round, now he's one of the best ever. This past decade, 2 MVPs, 5 Super Bowl appearances and winning 3 of them, plus all the stats to pad that. But let's not forget Drew Brees, he has broken many records this decade including most passing yards and most passing touchdowns passing Peyton Manning on both. Tom Brady isn't far back though. Let's go to the deep end with Michael Phelps. Yes, we are talking about swimming, but he dominated the pool of the Olympics. Yes, he had 8 gold medals in 2008, but 12 medals in total. Nine of them gold over the next two Olympics cemented him as the best Olympic swimmer ever. Roger Federer has dominated the world of tennis for years. This decade he has five Grand Slams, 42 titles since 2010 and a record 20 Grand Slams overall. We have been lucky enough to see the best ever to play the game. Likewise, Serena Williams has dominated the women's side of things. 23 Grand Slams to her name, was number one for a long time and really will be the best player ever to have played the game for years to come. We don't talk a lot about baseball, but one name I recognize and know he has dominated the league is Clayton Kershaw. Pitchers are one of the key players on a team, if not the most key, and Kershaw has been consistently great. An MVP win plus three Cy Youngs, this guy has been lights out in the league. When it comes to soccer, or as everywhere else in the world calls it, football, one name stands out, Lionel Messi, scoring an astonishing 575 goals and 23 major trophy wins for Barcelona and Argentina. I am sure we could go on and on for a long time. So many athletes have dominated and impressed over the past decade. The world of sports is a lot bigger than some realize, and only so few will get recognized as the GOAT of the game. The NFL playoffs are already halfway through, and we have some big upsets so far. Two teams I think neither of us saw losing, the Patriots and the Ravens, are done. And it was the same team that shocked them both, the lowest-seeded playoff team, the Tennessee Titans. And they seemingly came out of nowhere. The Patriots hadn't lost in the first round in, well, a decade. The most dominant playoff team this decade, too. But then the Titans went to their next game, underdogs again, and shocked the Ravens. How many people would have thought the Pats and Ravens would be out before the AFC Championship game? Lamar Jackson's dominant season came to a crashing halt, and it's time for us to talk about a different name, Derek Henry. Derrick Henry, you're right. The league's leading rusher this year with 1,540 yards. He showed out against the Patriots in the wildcard round with 182 yards and continued his running assault against the Ravens with 195 yards. Although the Titans mainly rely on Henry to carry the offense, we shouldn't discredit quarterback Ryan Tannehill, who has turned his career around after getting traded to the Titans, taking over the starting spot from the struggling Marcus Mariota. So Henry and QB Ryan Tannehill are taking on Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs who have stormed back against the Texans that are being down 24-0. They did this by scoring 28 points in just 3 minutes. Meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers will lead the pack as Green Bay takes on the 49ers. You still believe the 49ers are the real deal, right? Yes, I do. And seeing my Saints fall in the last, on a last second play to the Vikings again sucks. But that's sports. Dramatics keep things interesting. But who wins it all? I would love to see the Titans win, but I'm going to go with the Packers over the Chiefs. I love an underdog story, so Titans over the Packers. Let's get personal and talk about our favorites in the past decade. 
Neil, do you have a moment that sticks out to you as your favorite moment of the past decade? My favorite moment would have to be Isaiah Thomas leading the Celtics despite the recent loss of his sister. It was a very emotional playoff run. IT led the Celtics past the Bulls in the first round. They escaped the Wizards in a hard-fought second round, highlighted by a 53-point performance by IT. Although they couldn't get past LeBron in the Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, this is the moment that sticks out to me the most in the last decade. And for you, Tim, anything still gives you chills to this day? Mine goes all the way back to the beginning of the decade in 2010. Team Canada taking home gold in men's hockey on home ice in Vancouver. That was such an emotional victory for me and the most stressful game of my life. To this day, it is one of, the mo of my most proudest Canadian moments. I went out in the streets, waved my Canadian flag. It was just such an amazing moment. From the dramatic point of US tying it in the final minute, the stressful minutes of overtime, right down to a Ginla sending it to Crosby. And if I could only play the soundbite right now, Crosby scores the golden goal and Canada has once in a lifetime Olympic gold. Oh, just every moment is amazing. Neil, quickly mention your personal top five NBA players of the past decade and how about your personal favorite as well? The 2010s were filled with incredible talent. It is sometimes hard to rank all these guys to single out our favorites. But for me, my favorite player of this decade is Rajon Rondo. Despite leaving the Celtics halfway through the decade, I still find myself watching Rondo highlights and rooting for him. For the top players of the decade, at the number one spot, it easily goes to LeBron James. He's easily been the most dominant player this decade. Number two goes to Steph Curry. He has changed how the game of basketball is played. Come on, everybody shoots threes now. At number three, Kevin Durant. Despite having success with the Warriors, we can't forget how unstoppable he was in OKC. At uh, the number four spot, James Harden, one of the greatest, craftiest scorers to ever play. And lastly, number five, Russell Westbrook, a triple-double machine that can do it all. But how about you, Tim? Fave player of the decade and your top five. For me, obviously, and everyone knows me, it is Drew McGinla, my favorite player of the decade. But the top players of the decade are fairly easy for me. Number one, Sidney Crosby. Everyone knows this guy, but despite missing time due to injuries, he still averaged 1.24 points per game. Number two, Alexander Ovechkin, for all the reasons I mentioned earlier in the episode. At number three, it is Connor McDavid. Hasn't played much this decade, but he is dominating. At number four, Patty Kane. Numerous trophies, Stanley Cups, and is a wizard with a pocket. And at number five, this one was a bit tough, and people may call me out for this one because there's a lot of great and amazing players, but I'm gonna go with Henrik Lundqvist. He has been the best goaltender by far, in my opinion, this decade. The elusive Stanley Cup is still missing from his trophy case, but he has stole so many games for the Rangers and also helped them reach at least one Stanley Cup final in this last decade as well. this next decade. Luka Doncic will be there for you for sure. But what about Zion, Trey Young, and maybe Jason Tatum? Every name you mentioned there will hopefully live up to their potential and go down as legends for this next decade. Well, especially Tatum. But in the NHL, obviously McDavid, but maybe Goudreau or David Pasternak, Nikita Kucherov? McDavid, well obviously McDavid. Uh, his partner in crime, Leon Dreisaitl, might be there too. But look out for Kale McCarr and Nathan McKinnon in Colorado as well. All those names you mentioned, most likely, but my hope is it's Johnny Gaudreau being up there as well. 
We are almost done, but first, time for the final minute of play. Bold predictions for the next decade, go. A Canadian team will win the cup in the next 10 years, and it might be sooner rather than later. Also, Ovechkin will become number two on the all-time goals list. My bold prediction for the next decade is that Luka Doncic will go down as the best player of the 2020s. I know it's still early, but he's the best 20-year-old to ever play in the NBA. Come on. All right, that wraps things up. It has been a great 10 years for sports, and I'm really looking forward to the next 10. But focusing with the season at hand, both NBA and NHL trade deadlines are right around the corner. With playoffs soon to follow. Next time we'll talk more NBA as their trade deadline comes up first. I'm really hoping we get some crazy trades. But for now, my focus on the Flames and Oilers game at the end of the month. As usual, we want to thank Lorenzo Stories for his help with the NFL. This episode is officially in the books. Thank you all for listening. Yes, thank you, and I want to wish everybody a happy new year. Until next time, see ya!